Good morning, church. I hope we are really enjoying the weather. And uh, I want to believe your second month is good. Amen. It's, it should be great. Uh, I'm glad to come your way this morning with God's word. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to minister your word. I yield myself, Lord, as a vessel. Speak through me, think through me. Let your word have impact. Let your word carry substance. We thank you for answered prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please go with me to the book of John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verses 1 to 18 and verse 29. John chapter 4, verses 1 to 18 and 29. I read. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that ask you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now let's jump to verse 29. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Uh, I read from the NIV, New International Version, so maybe the version might sound a bit different. Amen. Based on today's scripture reading, I'm ministering on what I call making known his love. Making known his love. 
Um, from this scripture, we could see that Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. And if you look at the first two verses, you know, Jesus had now begun to experience notoriety in ministry. He was becoming more famous. His disciples were growing uh, by the number. Uh, but, but Jesus, you know, he left all these things. He, he was on a mission. He just decided to travel from Judea where he was into Galilee. And for when you look at the topography of Jesus' day, for you to travel from Judea to Galilee or from Galilee to Judea, you will have to pass through the middle city called Samaria. So you can't get to Judea from Galilee without passing Samaria. Or you can't get from Galilee to Judea without passing Samaria. So either from either directions, you will still have to go through Samaria. And there was a lot of political, socio-economic tension, if I should say, between the Jews and the Samaritans. They, they never really got along. It was a very age-long feud. They, they had real beef those days. Amen. You think you guys have beef. You, have, you know nothing about beef when you, you study about the Jews and the Samaritans. This, this, this was more than 400 years, age-long, you know, so during Jesus' time, people were trained as Jews to hate Samaritans. And Samaritans were also trained to hate Jews. Both hated each other. Both couldn't stand each other. Both of them could not stay in the same room. And the Jews in particular, because they couldn't stand the sight of Samaritans, Whenever they had to make a travel from Judea to Galilee, because when you are moving from Judea to Galilee, you are approaching west. They will have to use the east. Okay? So they will use Perea, which was a region of Jordan. It's the east. That means you will have to do a merry-go-round, you know, just to avoid going to Samaria, just to go to Galilee, which was a very long and a very winding road. And that was the normal route. So, if you were a Jew, you probably may have known that Samaria is the next city after Judea. But you don't go to Samaria. You use the long and winding routes. That means we are going west, but we'll have to go east. I don't know if you are, if you are some, I know some of you may be driving, so you can understand east and west when, when, when you are in that driving direction. I like something about Jesus he broke through ethnic and racial tension. As Christians, we shouldn't support any form of discrimination. That's why you're a new creation. So you might be a British, but you are not a British. You're a new creation first, you're a British second. You might be an American, you are a new creation first before an American. You might be a Ghanaian or whatever country or nationality may come from. You are not that nationality. You are a Christian, a new creation first. That is if you have received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Before you, you ascribe yourself to the nationality of your country. That is very important. Because if Jesus should have acted like a typical Jew, he shouldn't have gone to Samaria. There were a lot of ethnic t tension. 
And as Christians, we shouldn't support discrimination, racism, ethnic conflicts, or prejudice. Any form of schism that would tear apart society, we shouldn't support it. So this year, be very intentional that I am going to break the self-imposed barriers by society. And that's what Jesus did. By trekking from Judea to Galilee and by passing Samaria, he was making a statement. And that is the mark of a new creation. Someone who doesn't subscribe to discrimination. It will surprise you that there are people who say we are Christians, we carry the Bible, and you can't even flow with a Democrat just because you are a Republican. Is it that silly? It's not even that deep. Just philosophy of political ideologies, you can't even flow together. It's a schism that tears apart society, and as people who call ourselves Christians, we can't support that. We can't subscribe to that. And the Bible lets us know that Jesus, who was a Jew, he went into the territory of the Samaritans. And who is a Samaritan? A Samaritan technically is what they would call a mixed race. You know, for us, when we call people mixed race, we are looking at colors, right? So a black person, a white person, when they give birth, that's a mixed race. But to the Jewish person, when we are talking of the mixed race, you might be of the same color, but the fact that it's different tribes, not of Jewish tribe, you are mixed race. So you can have the same color, but to the Jew, you are mixed race. And how did the Samaritans came about? If you read 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 24 to 41, it was the Assyrians and the Israelites when they joined together in union and they started marrying themselves. That was the, the, the offspring of their union was a Samaritan. So that was how a Samaritan came about. And then that term half-caste. So the Samaritans were what we will call a half-caste, which is an insult to use for a mixed race, by the way. And the root of their feud could be traced. In fact, when you read the whole of Ezra chapter 4, you will see why they had feud. Because Israel, Israel and, you know, Samaritans were Israelites and Assyrians mixed together. You know, it was even said that Israel learned how to serve idols very well. They were steeped in idol worship through living with the Egyptians and living with the Assyrians. You see, Israel, when they started marrying Assyria, they were in a very uh, uh, apostate state. They had backslidden. They know nothing about God. And Samaritans, since their nature is mixture, Samaritans believed in mixing idol worship with worshiping God. That, that's how come that whole thing, Babylon, came about. Because Babylon was also infiltrated mostly by Assyrians or Samaritans. Samaritan is an Assyrian and an Israelite together. So the, the Assy- Samaritans really believed in mixture. They didn't believe in pure and undefiled religion. A Samaritan believes that I can worship God on the Sabbath 
and then I can involve in my idol worship, my idol practices any other day of the week. And, and that's how come Israel became a degenerate vine according to Jeremiah chapter 2, when they were called degenerates. You know, so it was said that Assyria and Egypt are two people that really taught Israel and schooled them in idol worship. So Samaritans were seen as quite apostates. But when you read Ezra chapter 4, the Bible lets us know that the Israelites wanted to build a temple. And the temple is the temple that was in Jerusalem. They wanted to build. But when they wanted to build, the Samaritans opposed them. And you can find this in Ezra chapter 4. It was severe opposition. They were opposed severely under four successive kings. You know, during Ezra, there was Cyrus, there was Darius, there was Ahasuerus, and there was Artaxerxes. You know, there were four different kings. And under the four kings, the Israelites could not progress with building the temple because of the opposition they received from Samaritans. And Israel never forgave Samaritans for that. And that is what brought about the schism that existed between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. So when Jesus went to Samaria, this was something that had taken place for over 400 years. It's a centuries-long feud. And it's important for us to understand that because in this year of making Christ known, we have to be very intentional. And I use the word very intentional to break certain norms, traditions, and overlook certain relational tensions if we will ever be fruitful. If you think you can make Christ known by holding on to your bias, if you think you can make Christ known by subscribing to the racial tension that exists in your environment or in your community or even in the country that you live in, you are not going to make maximum impact this year. For us to make Christ known, be very intentional. I have to break certain traditions. I have to come against certain norms. I have to overlook certain relational tensions because it will sometimes take only that for us to make Christ known. And it's important for us to understand that. And sometimes in forming some of these new relationships, it can be quite uneasy. It can be a stretch and it can be getting out of your comfort zone. We never grow in ease. And we never become productive in our comfort zone. If you think productivity will occur in your comfort zone, you have another thing coming. Productivity occurs when sometimes you are stretched. And I believe this year, God is calling us to a place of stretching. Try new things. Break new horizons. Things that you've never done before. For some of you, you will have to move out of the circle of your friends and and have a new circle of friends for a change. Because that is the only way you will be able to make an impact. Jesus knew that until the the years that Jesus had been in ministry. He had been with Peter. He had ministered in Galilee. He had ministered among the Jews. But he hadn't yet visited Samaria. And he had to do that. And that was an unspoken rule. Jesus stopped by Samaria. Can you believe that? A Jew in Samaria... It's a huge problem. Can you picture that? Even here in America, 
there, there are unspoken lines of segregation. You know, there are some places like, I know there are about seven states in America where the population is less than 1% black. Unspoken, unspoken rules of segregation. It's like, don't come here. You can only go here or you can only go here, but don't come here. And we call this place the land of the free, quote-unquote. This evening, you will hear the national anthem in the Super Bowl. They will sing it. It's the land of the free. But yet, if it's the land of the free, how come we can't all mix together and we can all not live harmoniously? Yet, we have unspoken lines of demarcation. Jesus entered into a place where if nobody has said anything, it was an unspoken line of demarcation. A Jew cannot trespass and can't go beyond the borders of Judea. Or if you are coming from Galilee, you can't cross beyond the borders of Galilee. Because the next city you will come into is Samaria. And Jesus had to deal with that. But whilst Jesus was there, he was on a mission. The Bible says it was about noon. A woman came to draw water or fetch water. Which was interesting. I find it amazing that the woman came there at noontime. Now, some facts I want us to consider just about that statement. It was uncommon those days for people to draw water at such a time. Do you know why? Because it was a very dry and a very tropical climate. If you want to involve yourself in anything like fetching of water, you will do it early in the morning at twilight. That was when that happened. But this woman, she did it at noon. Secondly, women those days, they went in groups. So they went in groups to fetch water. And they would do it twilight into the early hours of the morning. But this woman secluded herself and probably waited for the, the people of that town, Saika, where she lived, for everybody to go, go and fetch water and then she would go and fetch it later. She was a lone ranger. And probably this woman had no friends. Probably she was stigmatized. And she was the point of conversation among her people. And as we look at the story, we'll find out why. And Jesus, who is God and who knows all things, overlooked all these factors and engaged in a conversation with this Samaritan woman. Sometimes even associating with certain people can make you guilty by association. You know there's such a thing as guilty by association. Sometimes when celebrities fall into scandal, one of the things that breaks their hearts is not the public shame or the hashtags that they will see on the social media handles or the memes. Sometimes what really kills them is the relationships. I thought he was my friend. I thought she was my friend. They all abandoned me. And that's what kills them. It's not the memes. Everybody can be a meme. It's not the hashtags. I mean, you can easily be a hashtag today for whatever, so, so, one or two reasons. But it is the company. I had no friend. I remember one time I was listening to Tiger Woods. You know, he went through a very rough time when he was caught in adultery and his, his good looks image and him being the golden boy of American sports, everything came tumbling down and crashing. 
he said he could deal with everything. But fellow celebrities who thought they were his friends, they all abandoned him. And he had a, quite a lot of celebrity friends. So if he, I wouldn't even want to mention that. But, but he said that during those times, everybody abandoned him. And he felt like a leper. And it, there was nothing as humiliating as thinking you have friends, but it comes to the bare reality that you're on your own. And Jesus talking to this woman in question, who we are about to know, could find himself guilty by association. You think Jesus didn't know who this woman was? Jesus was a prophet. He knew this woman. Therefore, engaging in a conversation. Even, and, and Jesus to know that he was also a rabbi. When you were a rabbi, it was, it was an eyesore just to sit down and chat with a woman. You know the Pharisees, one of their nicknames was bleeding Pharisees. Because when they saw women, they saw women as, as this, these are the people why we have the law. Because if they didn't taste of the fruit, we would not have sinned. And they would not have written to us a code of laws. So when a Pharisee seriously sees a woman, they just close their eyes. Literally close their eyes. They don't squint. They close their eyes. And when they close their eyes, they normally hit their heads in between poles and everything and they begin to bleed. So they were called bleeding Pharisees. And even if they are bleeding, they will still close their eyes until a woman is out of their sight. That is a Pharisee. It's part of your training. You are trained not to look at a woman until maybe you want to marry. And that's why most of these Pharisees didn't even marry per se. Because they are too self-righteous to even stay in the same house with. But Jesus, that's why him also becoming a rabbi, he let go of his prestige and sat down with this woman. And not just any woman, but a woman with a very questionable and a very checkered past. Listen, that's why we call ourselves Christians. Don't be afraid to go to places where Jesus also died for. They need a gospel. Who is going to take it to them? Do we expect them to come? We have to go and give them the gospel. There was no way this Samaritan woman could have heard of the Messiah until Jesus went there. And sometimes our posture, the, the way we postulate ourselves to God, makes it seem like we want them rather to come than we will feed them the gospel. No, they are not going to come. We will rather have to go to them with the gospel. We have to take the gospel there. And Jesus engaged in a conversation with this woman by asking for water, which was interesting. And the woman responded that, a Jewish man has nothing to do with a Samaritan woman. Because I believe that the Samaritan woman could know this is a foreigner from accent. So now, we don't have no dealings. I don't know whether you're a stranger in this country. Are you aware of the, the, the thick atmosphere of tension that exists between our neighbors? And these were neighbors next to each other. Do you know the tension that exists and you are here asking me for water. But Jesus then referred to himself that I am the gift of God. I offer living water. So Jesus was not even interested in water. Because if you read this whole scripture, not once did they say verse whatever and Jesus drank the water. He wasn't interested in water. 
but he came to offer himself as a gift. I am the free gift, and if you take of me as the living water, you will not thirst again. And when Jesus was talking about this, he wasn't talking about Jacob's well. He was talking about something far different. As Valentine's Day approaches tomorrow, many people are looking for things that will satisfy and quench their thirst. Some are looking for affirmation. Some are looking for gifts and cash and kind. Let's face it, some are even looking for sex. But the chiefest of it all, people are looking for love. Tomorrow, we'll reveal people's test for love. Genuine, real, authentic love. To Jesus, this woman was thirsty. He saw beyond the woman coming to draw water from Jacob's well. He really saw a woman who was genuinely thirsty. And drinking water from Jacob's well will not quench that. She was a hurting and a wounded woman inside. She was looking for genuine, authentic love. And that's why Jesus went to Samaria. Because he thought of a wounded and a very unfulfilled woman who was rather using other things to quench her thirst. To Jesus, this woman was a thirsty soul. But she misunderstood Jesus' logic and thinking. She thought that Jesus meant physical water. And the woman said something very revealing. Give me this water that if I drink, I will never come to the world again. So probably the woman didn't like her surroundings. And I will not blame her. Because who would, love, who, who would like to love a place whereby probably you might be stigmatized. Probably you might be the point of conversation. So the woman was like, wow, if you have this water, give it to me. Because when I take this water, I put, I will never step foot at the well again. Drink this water, I will never thirst. Nobody will have to see me again. So that I will not be the point of conversation. But Jesus went ahead to say he is the living water. That when we drink of him, we will not thirst. Listen, we have the gift of God. And failure to share this with other people makes us very wicked. It's pure wickedness on our parts. Knowing that we have the gift of God that we can give to people to find inner fulfillment, to find peace, and yet we withhold. And why will we withhold? Do you know how people are suffering? People are really suffering because they need their thirst to be quenched. After February 14th, it's 15th. And when it is 15th, people will now wake up to the realization that it was just another day. So let me tell you something. No box of chocolates, red roses, and buy all those things. It's good. Very, very good. Um, I do it myself, okay? I, I'm not against that at all. I do it my, I celebrate Valentine's Day very well. Uh, I love love. Amen. But let me tell you something. Chocolates, red roses, all those things, none of them can fulfill, satisfy, and quench thirst. 
It can't. That's why I say February 15th will come after 14th. And many people will realize that the box of chocolates didn't do it. Going to the best suite, it didn't do it. None of it did it. What will do it is the gift of God, who is Jesus, who can offer us living water. Maybe you have been a Christian for a long time, so you may have forgotten what it means to be thirsty. So let me remind you. Do you remember before Christ, you went to every party? Do you remember before Christ, you tried every drug, experimented on all vices, but you left unfulfilled? With all this, you couldn't even sleep at night. Why? It was because you were thirsty. Nothing was satisfying you. You smoked everything from grass to bamboo, and yet you were not satisfied. And today, by the grace of God, we have been satisfied by the grace of God. We have received Jesus who has become the gift to us. And now we look down at people who are in the same plight that we were maybe four years ago, five years ago, two years ago, or even a year ago. How dare we look at them with our self-righteous doses, point down at them, and not share the gift of God with them so that their thirst can also be quenched. It's pure wickedness for you to know the solution to something and withhold and deprive it from your neighbor. It's pure wickedness. And today, the church, we are as guilty as the cold-blooded murderer. We have, we have blood on our hands. We know the gospel. We come to church. We receive the worship. Everything is okay. But our friends, neighbors, our loved ones who are thirsty, we just leave them to thirst. And many of these people are going to die becoming prisoners of hope. Never ever experience what it means to taste true freedom. And that is sad. And sometimes the only key to them tasting true freedom is the neighbor sitting next to them who is a Christian. But he will zip his mouth and he will not share the gospel. Look at Jesus. He went to a place where tensions were high and he sat down with a woman and engaged with the woman. Today I put it to you. People are thirsty. Don't look at them unconcerned and let them die, never experiencing inner fulfillment and inner peace that only Jesus can give. No man or woman, husband or wife, boyfriend or girlfriend, fiancé if engaged, can satisfy that. Only Jesus can. And what Jesus was saying, the short of it all, is that when you receive me, you experience salvation. And when you experience salvation, you have eternal life. And it is this eternal life that satisfies all longings. It craves all, all thirstings. It, 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 it satisfies every hunger. It quenches every doubt and pain. Salvation. And in this year of making Christ known, we have to present Christ as the living water to the world. Because people are truly thirsty. People are truly thirsty. The woman was like, now that I know you are talking about this living water, give me some so that I don't come here anymore. Let me tell you something. Don't be critical of people's prescription if you don't take time to know their pain. Because the reason why they might have the faulty prescription is because of the pain that they are trying to medicate. 
And people might have 40 prescriptions because of the silence of Christians. We have the prescription. Jesus traveled all the way from Judea to Samaria just to go and give this woman a prescription to her pain. And her pain was she had inner thirst. Do you think people want to be strong high on drugs? I asked you a question this morning, church. It is because they want to medicate their pain. They are thirsty. Do you think that young man or woman likes how his or her life is? Confused. Today I'm a heterosexual. Tomorrow I'm a homosexual. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'm, a trans, I'm a transvestite. I wear woman clothing. If, I, if I'm a woman too, I dress like a man. They are just changing. Tomorrow I'm a transvestite. I've changed. Okay, I'm going to feed myself with estrogen so that I'll have a female shape. It will change its mind. No, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be a man. Do you think people really enjoy these things? People are experimenting. And when people are experimenting like that, it is because people are thirsty. People are thirsty. It's thirst. Do you know why some people are addicted to porn? Do you think he wants to be a bad person? It's because he's thirsty. He has pain and he thinks that this is the prescription that can medicate the pain. Some people are working their bones to death. They are just working. They go for every extra shift. They are just working and working and working. They have worked so much. They have excessively worked and it's good to work. Hard work is a virtue. Diligence, I believe in diligence. I believe in hard work. I practice it myself. But there are some people who have worked so much that their work-life balance is so out of place, so imbalanced. Do you know why? It's because they are thirsty. And today, people have different forms of prescription for their pain. Some people have tried and ascribed to different faiths. Yesterday, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm a Christian. Tomorrow, I'm, no, I'm practicing Buddhism. That next week, no, I, I want to be a Hare Krishna. That, that, they, are, they just keep on experimenting. Do you know why? Because they are thirsty. They are thirsty. People are thirsty. Jesus met a thirsty woman. And drinking water from Jacob's well will not satisfy that thirst. Today, may God touch our hearts. And may we have compassion on people than judging them unrighteously. Are we any better? We are here because someone unselfishly led us to Christ and we had the gift of God. And today, if we have it, what gives us the temerity and the audacity to deprive people? And then on top of that, if you will not even preach the gospel, why will you criticize someone's prescription? If you are not prepared to be the solution to medicate their pain. May God touch us. May God deliver us from self-righteousness. Because the church, we are just as guilty as the cold-blooded murderer that stands on trial. This woman was thirsty. Jesus then went straight to the point. I like how Jesus interacts with people. He said, call your husband and come back. Jesus was addressing her prescription to her thirst. Go and call your prescription and come back. And the woman said, I have no husband. 
And this is where Jesus proved, I am God and I know all things. He said, you have said this right. You have had five husbands. And the one you have currently is not your husband. She is on her sixth man. It, it is said, I don't know how true it is, that every girl thinks of a wedding one day. Do you think this lady, when she was young, she thought that she was going to be on her safe man? Ideally, everybody believes that I marry once and that's it. I meet my Prince Charming or whatever. We live in our castle and then that's it. We build a life and we are happy. She's on her safe man because she's thirsty. She's in pain. And what was she thirsty? She was thirsting for Genuine, authentic, real love. On a sixth man, and this sixth man, we don't know whether they will marry or they won't marry. Sometimes you go on Facebook, some people's uh, relationship status, it's complicated. That we, we don't know whether we will marry or we will not marry. What, what are we doing? Are, are we doing boyfriend, girlfriend? Is it a fiancé? Well, today I wear the engagement ring, tomorrow I put... It's complicated, it's complicated. It's just complicated. This woman had 10 certificates. It's test. Five marriage certificates, five divorce certificates. 10 certificates. I wish to see her folder. 10. Can you imagine? She goes to the judge. They even know her. Is it marriage or divorce? They, they won't even, they won't even, I, I mean, they even know her in the courts. Is it marriage or just tell us? We just have, is it, is it, is it marriage or divorce? This one is marriage. No, this one is divorce. Ten certificates because she was thirsty. She was a permanent fixture in the courts. For Jesus to satiate that thirst, it was important for the woman to see Jesus in the right way. You have to see me as the gift of God. You have to see me as the one who offers living water. And I can quench your thirst. And now, when you look at verse 29, it's a very interesting scripture. And verse 29 is where we had our theme for the year, which is known as making Christ known. And when we read verse 29 in NIV, let me read it again. This woman said, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Wow. Do you know that people who are stigmatized normally don't have confidence? People who are stigmatized normally have a low sense of self-esteem. What changed? This woman doesn't even go to fetch water in her company. She does it in the afternoon. Now, when this woman met real love, she is prepared to go and broadcast a message to a whole city. What changed? She encountered through true, authentic, genuine love. That's what made the difference. And when she went, she said, come see a man. I'm sure there were some shade throughers there. They'll be like, what is new? You're always seeing men. What's different this time? You're always seeing men. 
your bedroom, you've had 10 different men, even 11. You're always seeing men. And there are some people too, they are very good at counting. What's new? A man. A man, a man again. What, what's man? Come see a man. But this woman met a different man. This is the first man that she encountered who didn't objectify her. Didn't see her as a sex object. This is the first man she encountered who didn't take advantage of her. This is the first man she met who never slept with her. This is the first man that saw her as who she was, took time to know her, and gave her a prescription for her pain. She met genuine, authentic love making his love known. And because of that, she became an evangelist and broadcasted the message. I'm telling you, until we have experienced Christ's love, we can't broadcast it to the world. But the travesty is that we have experienced Christ's love. But why aren't we sharing it? So that's the travesty. We've all experienced Christ's love. There is nobody here who can tell me they've not experienced Christ's love. We've all experienced Christ's love. We all have an idea of, of, of his love one way or another. But why can't we share it? This woman, when, when she, she met Jesus, she dropped everything. She didn't care about her reputation. But she just went straight and said, come see a man. And there's one thing I learned from this story. When I look at Jesus as a man, his interaction with a woman, I, I pray that men, men listening to me, may, may we be the kind of men that don't take vulnerable women as praise. Because, because we, will, we will have the opportunity to meet vulnerable women, vulnerable girls, or even vulnerable boys. May we not, we may, may, may we not pounce on their vulnerability and make them our praise. God has called us not to be predators. God has called us to be ambassadors and, and reconcilers and prescribe the right prescription to people's pain and not to further complicate it. It's very unfortunate that there are some women, some, some young girls who trusted certain men because they were in so much pain and they were believing that you, you could be the answer or you could prescribe something to their pain, but you rather complicated it by making the whole thing messy. And I pray that men, as we are listening, may we become that man, like in the, in the image of Christ, that we will not take people's vulnerability as an advantage to pray upon them. May God really help us. Woman, may God really help you. Because this also applies to women. That you may not take anybody's vulnerability as a license to pray upon them and make their issue more complicated. And, and Jesus, looking at the vulnerability of the woman, said, let me offer you a better prescription. I'll offer you living water. I'm not coming to offer you a man. You will not be the seventh man. Because what is different? But I'm offering you something better. It is called the living water. The woman left with self-esteem and confidence. And this time, she broadcasted a message. And brought a whole city to Christ. Do you know why she could make Christ known? Because she had experienced the love of God. Ladies and gentlemen, 
all of us listening to me, we have a charge this morning, and the charge is to make known his love. Make it known. If you have experienced the love of Christ, make it known. Because there are people who are thirsty, who need to be fulfilled. There are people who are thirsty, who need to be satisfied. There are people who are thirsty, who are prisoners of hope. They all deserve some kind of freedom and some kind of closure. And if we have had it, look at the Bible study we, we, we learned today about Jesus being the substance. He has defeated the devil, triumphing upon him, making him a public spectacle and nailing the handwriting of requirements on the cross. Jesus has paid such a hefty and a heavy price for us because he wants us to experience his love so that we can share it to the world. Make his love known. When you read verses 39 to verse 42, the Bible said that many Samaritans of the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And you know the amazing thing? They even forgot that Jesus was a Jew. The Bible said that they begged him to stay in a place where there is ethnic and racial tension two more days. He stayed there two more days. Two more days. And the Bible says that many people became disciples or believers. They even forgot that this man is a Jew. What brought them together, what reconciled them was the love of God. The, 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 the ministry of reconciliation, which is the gospel. We have the key. A city drew near to Christ because of this woman's testimony. We have no idea how we can affect people if we present to them God's kind of love in word and in deed. If you have experienced Christ's love, please make it known. Because one of the ways by which we make Christ known is making his love known. Amen. That's the best Valentine's Day's gift. Give all the gifts, but give the gifts who can quench all desires and all manner and kinds of thirst. God, touch our hearts that we will become sympathetic to the plight of people. Shape us, O Lord. Give us a renewed mind so that we will not prey on the vulnerabilities of young men, young boys, young women, young girls, old women, but we can minister to them in the spirit and in the purity of Christ, prescribing to them what will cure them out of their vulnerabilities. Lord, when you send vulnerable people our way, may we not complicate their vulnerability by taking advantage of them. Lord, touch our hearts. May we be able to relay to our audience real, authentic, genuine love because you first loved us in word and in deed. Oh, Father, help us to translate this message. Touch our hearts, O oh Lord. Touch our lips, O oh Lord. Give us the right words to speak. May we articulate your word and your testimonies in power and in boldness. 
the boldness and the effervescence that came upon this lady, that she became a witness and an evangelist. Oh Lord, let that same virtue run down on us, oh Lord, that we will not be tongue-tied, but we will be able to make known your mysteries and declare boldly your love to a world that is in search of something that will quench their thirst. Oh Lord, let this be our prayer. Let this be our heart's plea. Let this be our desire above it all. In Jesus' name, amen.